Hey everybody, welcome to the Evoke Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hausler. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. These short 8 to 15 minute podcasts cover a wide range of topics to help you get faster. Whether you're looking to win a national championship, finish Leadville, crush Tulsa Tough, get on a Gravel Worlds podium, or simply drop your friends. If we've never met, I'm the co-founder and president of Evoke Bike. I've been coaching athletes since 2010, and I've trained with power for over 150,000 miles. I've also won three Masters National Championships, but I'm mostly proud of my nearly 100 Pro 1 podiums simply because it shows my consistency in the game and my hunger to get better for not only myself, but the Evoke community, which includes you. If you enjoy these podcasts, please leave us a review on Apple or follow and download the episodes from Spotify. And if you want to take your support to the next level, please click the support link at the bottom of this podcast where your donation will help us pay for everything that helps to keep this free podcast going. Now to the show. Hey, everybody. We have a great Cat 4 question on a topic that we've talked about before, and that is entitled training limiters. So obviously, this means training things that might limit you from being successful in your event. What are your limiters? That's always a good thing to ask yourself to figure out what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses or limiters, what's stopping you from performing well at the events that you have coming up this season. So this athlete says, hey, I've spent a couple days watching some YouTube videos and reading your blogs. I appreciate the information. I'm a statistics slash number loving cyclist that used to ride Cat 2 in the UK before a big crash. I picked the bike back up and after the crash, I did lots of tempo and sweet spot work from this online plan that I'm not going to mention, but I agree with you. Sweet spot will only take you forward while you get going again, but you will soon plateau. I worked before my crash using WKO and created intervals based on extending slash lifting the power duration curve, which is what I will be doing this time too. Just had one quick question. Do you train your limiters, for example, 40 to 60 second power throughout the season or just leave it until you move into that block? Again, thanks for the info. It's nice to see someone out there giving info without doing the big sell. <laughs> uh that's funny. I appreciate the question, Neil. So a couple things that I'd like to clarify in the question for people that might be listening who might not know what he's talking about. When he made the comment that sweet spot will only take you so far, but you'll soon plateau, you know, I'm not against sweet spot or low threshold riding, which is what it is without the fancy shiny name attached to it for marketing purposes. I just am very against the overprescription of it. People doing six, eight, 12, 16 weeks of sweet spot. If you are a new cyclist and you just get going, yes, putting consistent pressure on the pedals and riding sub threshold will make you faster. That will definitely wear out over time. And it would be better to make better training habits because the biggest problem is athletes go through that, they start getting faster, they hit this plateau, and then they're left empty-handed not knowing what else to do. That's my only beef with Sweet Spot. So, yes. Extending and lifting your power duration curve. So, power duration curve. What type of wattage are you putting out over different durations in time? And it's shown in a curve. This is in WKO, and this is a very poignant or prominent point that they make in a lot of their webinars 
that you're doing X watts for Y duration, now make Y duration longer. That's extending. Lifting would be you're doing X watts for Y duration, now make X higher. The uh, I'm hesitating to say issue. I don't necessarily agree with doing that. The reason being, while it's great to increase the numbers and increase the watts that you can put out over certain durations of time, obviously that's called improvement. The way it's presented can often lead athletes to training very stagnantly. So they are going out and doing these long 40-minute efforts. They are doing these 50-minute efforts. And now I need to do a one by 90. And I bought into this. I'm not I thought that this was kind of how you did it. The problem was it's lacking real-life application in most athletes don't even have an event that requires that type of specific riding. I would say focus more on the physiology and do some like over-unders. Do make sure you're not only seeing that riding at the duration for more watts is the only way to get there. What about doing some VO2 max to raise your aerobic capacity? So it is not necessarily something I would follow when this guy's that that it's almost more of a mindset like extend, lift, extend, lift. It, it's too stagnant. Um, be more dynamic with your training, and you'll get that result. While also, you know, improving other things like what we're talking about: VO two max, lactate clearance work, other very important aspects for a road racer. Now, to his question: training limiters. I oh, the other thing to point out when he said, "Do you train your limiters or just leave it until you move into that block?" So that's sort of confusing because. What do you? How would you train it if you're not in a block of it? Or are you saying maybe just sprinkle it in there? Or are you like when he had me? I thought it was a good question of do you train your limiters throughout the season? But then this or leave it until you move into that block. I wouldn't move into that block unless it's appropriate for the racing that I'm going to do. Don't do a block of training just because you need to do a block of training. Do it because that's what's going to get you to the end point. I hope that comes across making sense. Do I train limiters? Not as much as I used to. I used to also in the WKO camp, you know, look at the power duration curve. I have a video out there showing this, you know, and this is a great thing about working uh, and training with power. What we're doing is changing season to season. We're finding what works, what doesn't work. Training with power is still relatively new. Um, in the grand scheme of things, you know what I mean? It's not a 50-year-old science with all best practices. Like right now, if I went and looked here, I'd be like, hey, you've got a gap at 45 seconds. And hey, you've got a gap at a minute and 40 seconds. Am I going to go out and go after that? No, because it's not really wasting a training session on that. Is not something that's going to make me better for my events. And also remember that, like what if I have that within me? And I can, it says, hey, I've done 560 for a minute and a half. Or excuse me, it's a minute and 33 seconds. <laughs> 558. And the PD curve says you could do 55 more watts, you could do 615. Well, what if I go out and do that? The curve then changes again. You're just feeding numbers to a curve, to appease a curve. Do I need to go out and waste a session to put out one max effort to show that I have that? I don't really think so. I think 
more we should be thinking in a bigger picture of do I have an event that requires multiple one and a half minute surges or in which case you would do one, I would say 115 to 145, always a little bit below and a little bit longer, not just 130, get in that range and do repeats of that. Well, someone might say, well, what if this one and a half minute thing is at the end of a race? Well, that's even more of a case that you shouldn't go out and just do a one-off effort. You should do a training session and train that one and a half minute at the end of a session, at the end of a long weekend ride. Go on a group ride and then go to your dojo at hour three and a half or three maybe, or it depends what category you are. Even if you're a category one, your race might only be three and a half hours. So do it at hour three and a half and go crank out five one and a half minute efforts. Physical and mental benefit to that. Now, do I train limiters? I also don't think it's like a huge, I'm torn on this last part. So things like sprints. People always say, hey, I don't have a sprint. You, you do need a sprint unless you can get away by yourself. If you have no sprint, you're not going to win. Someone in that group is most likely going to have a little bit of a sprint of some sort. We're not talking about a 2,000-watt crusher. But I personally do not train like a block of sprint training. But I do sprinkle in sprint training to almost everyone's schedule because of Yes, it will make – there's a little bit of work. really helps you get stronger at sprinting. It really keeps those, that neuromuscular coordination going. But it also taps those 2X fibers that you don't want to instantly fatigue on any surges during a race. You know, During a race, you're going full max at different points in time. Adam Hansen in the podcast went as far as saying like he, he agrees that everybody needs some sprint training because he looks at it as you got to lift if you can only do 1400 watts when you go do a thousand let me use a better example if you can only do a thousand watts when you go do 700 it really is going to put a burden on your body but now if you can get that up to 1200 let's say when you go do 700 it's definitely less of a burden looked at differently it's going to fatigue your muscle fibers differently if you can put out more watts and if you can do them more than once so i think that training the limiters let's define the word train i think activating all the different muscle fibers i think activating all the other systems all the energy systems i should say um and having a well varied diet of training is very important so back to his example 40 to 60 second power i i'm only going to do that if someone's anaerobically not strong enough for their event this is where you definitely want to read the anaerobic capacity blog that I put out because for myself, I don't need to train that because it's really not that big of a limiter. I would say more my limiter is clearing lactate at a half hour full full gas pace line effort with guys stronger than me. That's a lot of people. That lactate clearance work over-unders are really good because they're very much like a pace line. They're very much like that feeling when you're hanging on. So... You know, I've got this amazing group ride here where it's a really, it's like a 50 minute effort from south to north and then back. But there's about a 40 minute chunk in there where we're pulling at 110 to 15% and then coming back down to probably 90%. It's like a gnarly over under for a long time if you're in a break of four guys. And it is a shredder. Like guys are, 
it's hard. Uh, I actually posted in my title last time I did this, Bala said to me, that was full gas, right? <laughs> like, dude, that was full gas. We were just rolling. Such a good workout, very hard to do by yourself, but that's one thing. That ride has definitely helped me with my long over-unders. I had probably one of the best ones I've done in a long time this past week. So do I train the limiters? Well, yeah, you should always train that the limiter is a bit training. The limiter is a big part of your training. So kind of coming full circle around again, like do you double down on your strengths? Do you train your limiters? Like you should definitely be training things that you aren't good at if they affect if, if they have a big aspect of your upcoming events, you know, I guess at the end of the day, training a limiter should be a huge bulk of your training, but just always make sure you ask yourself, but is it, does it have a huge effect on the events coming up? Okay. So did I miss anything there? No, I think that's it. Thanks for the question, Neil. Good luck, everybody. See ya.